Well, good morning, family of Christ. I'm Mark, and I am the director of worship arts here. And as you know, through this time that Jeremy and I have been trading off uh, teaching and preaching on Sunday mornings, and uh, we begin a new series this morning on the book of James. Uh, Jeremy picked last series, so I picked this one because I love the book of James. I have a love-hate relationship with the book of James. I probably shouldn't say hate. I have a love-dislike relationship with the book of James. I love it that it's practical and that it gives us everyday teaching for everyday life and it's convicting. I dislike it because it's practical. It gives us applications for everyday living and it's convicting. I set up series so that we could take chunk by chunk over the next 13 weeks, which will take us through the summer and into Labor Day. There are nuggets of wisdom throughout James that is applicable to your life individually and applicable to us as a church. Now, so if you would, let's go and read James chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Are you ready for this one? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Well, so let's talk about, could you put up verse two for me? Let's talk about this word. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face what? Trials. Or some other uh, translations say troubles or persecutions. Whatever word you want to put in there that, that kind of says that same exact thing. I found it interesting that James would write this, he's writing it to the Jewish Christians of the time, and that would be the very first thing he says. Hey, when your life stinks, consider it joy, brothers and sisters. When life is just, pfft, hey, I'm happy. So we have to go back. James was writing to a group of people. Now, James, the author, is James, the brother of Jesus. I know there are several James mentioned in the New Testament, whether it be James, the son of Zebedee, or James, the lesser, or James, the brother of Jesus. Most historians, most theologians believe that James, the brother of Jesus, is the one who wrote James, that we have the epistle, in the New Testament. And he's writing in a time where this verse would strike home to many a people because it was a fledgling Christianity. It was under the rule of the Roman government. Christianity had yet to rise to the level to which it was the state religion, so to speak. That wouldn't happen for several centuries later. So right now, as James was going, there were these fledgling churches that the early apostles had gone. You remember talking about Paul's missionary journey. Paul, Peter, Barnabas, Luke Mark, Mark Luke. They're establishing all of these new churches around the areas of what we know now as Greece and Northern Africa and Israel and Palestine. And what's begun to happen is many of those, while they had good foundings, 
they began to start peeling away the early churches. And some of the old pagan doctrines and religions were being brought into the early churches. Some of the early Christian churches were reverting to bringing back Judaism and the ways of Jewish faith and structure and law. And so the men were having to go through back to these churches and say, no, no, this is how you structure it. This is how you do it. And under all of this, guys, they are being persecuted. Now, we talk about persecution here in America, right? I hear it all the time. You can hear it on the news. You can hear it on the TV. We can talk in our churches. We talk about the Christian faith is under assault in America. I have yet to see anybody, one of us, being dragged to the shores of one of our oceans and lined up and beheaded because we're Christian. But I've seen that in other areas. You might say, well, Mark, that's certainly dramatic. Why in the world would you say that? Because I want to put this verse into context. I want to put this verse in its context of what we were talking about, the trials and tribulations. Now, we can take it today. Oh, Lord, I, I, I can't pay a bill this month. I'm going to consider it all joy. It's my trial. Oh, Lord, I have a hangnail. I'm going to consider it trial all joy, I'm gonna walk with my hangnail, proud. But these, these were life and death trials. These are life and death persecutions, troubles that we here in America have a hard time grasping. You go to other countries and you see what it is to be oppressed to be a Christian. We saw it in the early church where they had to go underground. They went into catacombs and that's where their earliest meeting places were. They had to go to the dark, the dirty places so that people didn't know to find them there. And if they were found and they were found to be followers of Christ, they were crucified because the Roman government wanted to squash it. And they were ruthless. Streets along the Roman Empire lined with crosses just to make a point. And in walks James and writes a verse that says, Dear brothers and sisters, when you go through trials or persecutions, consider it all joy. Why? So let's bring it down to us. We go through it. We know our church history. We've seen persecution. Persecution happens in the church from without, from outside in our world. But guess what? Persecution also happens within our body. Trials and troubles also happen within our own circumstance. Let's bring it down next. It even happens here at Family of Christ. Shocking, because you know, I thought we were all perfect and we all had it together. But we see in the history of the church, as we go, there's this guy that we saw early in the early centuries. He was a, um, a bishop of the church and he had gotten to know and had uh, propagated the um, Totally lost my train of thought there. See, I'm still on what a beautiful name it is. I'm the musician. Early in the fourth, fifth century, Christianity took a turn and it became the religion of the state, the Roman government. And I would dare say that Christianity has never been the same since. Over the next thousand years of Christianity, we saw the rise of the Catholic Church, we saw the church in its opulence. 
we saw the church in all of its where not only Christian, not only religion, but state, power, government, control, Charlemagne took over, and Charlemagne, who was the father of Europe and created Europe and be, and it became this entity, this thing that was larger than life, this church that dominated everything. A pope anointed a king. A pope said whether a king was right or wrong. This church, opulence. And around the 1500s, this little friar shows up into Germany, and he starts meeting with a guy named Martin Luther, and he starts saying, I'm here, been dispatched by the Catholic Church to receive money for indulgences. And thus began indulgences where we pay for, to get out of purgatory quicker, we pay for our sin to be covered. If we give more money to this, then more da-da-da-da-da. And the monies went back to rebuild St. Peter's, Basilica, all sorts of things. Martin Luther then had a problem with that and said, now wait a minute, this isn't what I read. And thus began one of the most persecuted times within our Christian history, the Reformation. We think in some terms, we sometimes have this glorious idea or vision of Reformation. There was this march, da, 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 da. It was tough. Have you heard about the times of King Henry VIII and Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth burning heretics at the stake. It was within our own body. It was within our own church, our own believers that we split and that we had trials, that we had persecutions. And through that we come and we kept coming and we reform, we reform, we reform. Now today we find ourselves, we have Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, Lutherans. We still have Catholics. But now we have American Baptists, and we have Independent Baptists, and Southern Baptists, and Northern Baptists, and then we have Presbyterian, USA Presbyterian, and we have PCA Presbyterians, and then we have the Lutheran Church, which is all divided. We have the Wisconsin Synod, we have the Missouri Synod, we have the ELCA Lutheran Church. And I ask, I ask, what are we doing? What are we doing, church? Where have we gotten off course? The persecutions that are outside of us, the persecutions that are in the world, the persecutions that are happening outside. How are we as a church affecting life as Christians when we are a divided kingdom? Now, I believe there are reasons for that. There are doctrinal issues and things down the history and far people who are way smarter than I am can talk about that kind of stuff. But we come here in terms of this verse. Now, through much tribulation, through much storm, through much persecution, through much trial, through much trouble, and we find ourselves here today, unabashedly a Lutheran church. We're an LCMS congregation, yes? Just so y'all didn't know that, and just in case. Unabashedly. You ready? I'm, I'm gonna, let's go on to the next verse, because it, it's an interesting thing. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What's the next verse say? So, if any of you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, we need to go to the book of Concord and figure out what it says. Oh, sorry. If any of us lack wisdom, we need to go to lcms.org and figure out what lcms.org says, right? Not that those are bad things. Not that those are bad or wrong. 
We don't preach Lutheran. We don't preach the teachings of Martin Luther. We preach the gospel of Jesus, and our doctrines inform how we teach and how we preach. Our Lutheran doctrine informs how we dictate that. We preach the gospel. And if anyone lacks wisdom, if we get to the point where, I find it very interesting that the first part, he talks about perseverance and troubles. But the very next sentence is, where do you go when you have those problems? If you lack wisdom, you talk to God. Oh, but I'd rather talk to my neighbor. Oh, I'd rather talk to my Bible study so that we can talk about our troubles. We have to tell everybody everything that's going on and what's going on with their neighbor so we can adequately pray with each other, right? That's how we do. But when we have troubles and we have circumstances, now, it's difficult because I'll tell you what, many of us in this room have different circumstances and different trials. There are those in this room who may have a wayward child that they find it very difficult to have joy. This kid that we raised in our home went to church every Sunday and now is far from God. How can I find joy in that? In this very room, we may have marriages on the brink of divorce. How can I find joy in trouble, joy in circumstances that aren't good? In this very room, some have lost children. Young age, killed in car accidents, suicide. How, how do we consider that all joy? Some in this room may be battling cancer or other diseases. Mark, you're going to sit there and tell me to consider that all joy? I am. Because something happens when we persevere through a problem. Something happens when we persevere through struggle, through persecution, through trials. Because as fire refines gold, it refines us. As someone who's walked the journey, walked a particular struggle, if I have cancer, I'm going to want to go to someone who's had cancer before to have a conversation with. Because what? They've been there. They've done that. We have support groups for all kinds of things. If I have a drinking problem or drug problem, I'm going to go to someone that can relate to that. But when we persevere, God then gives us the ability to do more than we could ever hope or dream. When we persevere, when we continue to push through those problems and we do it with joy. Now, let me, let me talk about joy. Joy is a different kind of word, Okay. If I was to say, happy, you'd go, you're intelligent people. <laughs> happy, sad, not birthday. <laughs> get with it, people, get with it. Happy, sad, joy, anger, that's good, sorrow, Joy is something that should be constant. 
Happy is something that is determined upon circumstance. I can be happy in the morning and put my feet on the ground and drive through Palmer Lake on 105, which is 50 miles an hour. But most Palmer Lake folk think it's 30 miles an hour. And I can put my feet on the ground in the morning and be happy, but by the time I get to church, I'm ticked. Because 25 minutes later, I could have been here, but no, I'm behind Christian Johnny Rampshire on t- going 35 miles an hour on Palmer Lake. Only Johnny, Christy says. I could even get a ticket for speeding. And I could change every day. I could be happy in the morning and then get ticked off at something and be sad or angry. Those emotions change, but the joy of the Lord... The joy of the Lord is the strength. And when we go through persecution, when we go through trials and tribulations, don't ever let something go in your life like that without allowing it to change you, without allowing it to make you better. Like as fire refined gold and refines it to make it pure. And when we get into situations and we get into problems, then what does scripture say? It says if you lack wisdom, if you don't know where to go, If you don't have the answers, ask God. See what I'm saying about the practicalness? It's that old phrase that says, well, when I've got nothing else to do, I guess I'll pray about it. How do we get to that point where we experience joy in the journey amidst the circumstances? I think a lot of it is maturity, right? A lot of it is us just going through it. There are some things that I will never understand. A single guy, not married, I don't understand marital struggles. Now, I understand common sense. But there are things about a marital relationship I don't understand. Never been through a divorce, I I don't know about that. I've never had cancer. I don't know what that is. I've had family that's had that. I've never had a miscarriage. I've never lost a child. I've never had a child die. I don't know what that is like. And I understand that we talk about our trials and our circumstances. And those vary here in this room. And I wish I had a pure answer to you. I wish I had some answer that would just solve everybody's problems. It's like that question when you get asked, why does God allow bad things to happen in the world? Oh, well, let me pull out my Bible and let me tell you what I think. Sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know the answers. But I do know, but I do know this, that even in the midst of our trials and our circumstances, God loves us. He has never forsaken us. Do you know that God has never once had a bad thought about you? Do you know that? Let me say that again. That God has never once had a bad thought about you. And when we persevere through trials, knowing that our faith is grounded, there's this great scripture in Matthew, and the Message Bible says it so awesomely. Faith is like a tree that's planted with roots that grow down deep and branches that grow high and wide where birds can find rest and shelter amongst its branches. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, when we realize that we are all on the same journey together, 
when we realize that we all have trials and circumstances and situations in our life that bring us to our knees. But if we're not rooted and if we're not grounded and that this place here, this church, this shelter, that people can come here and find shelter in the branches, that we are the extensions in the hands and feet of Christ. I remember when I was in India as the director of the India Children's Choir, I, um, my first trip to Calcutta. I don't recommend it for a vacation destination. I arrived that day, it was 117 degrees. Now, I'm a fat southern boy, so anything below or above 72, I'm dying. So I get off the airplane and I get into their cab, and I'm using that term loosely, that they call it a cab. And it's lined with flowers, smelly flowers, you know, I'm assuming just so. You enjoy the good smells of Calcutta, India. And the cab naturally has no air conditioning, so the windows are rolled down. And we're headed to, we were headed to the American embassy that's there in Calcutta. And I looked on the side, of course, this is the first time I'd ever been to a third world country. I'd been to Europe and to other places, but this was the first time I'd seen a third world country. And I noticed along the side of the road at first, mounds. And I thought, oh, they're building something there. And I looked closer and it was, no, it wasn't mounds of road. It was mounds of garbage just piled along the sides of the road. And at little places along the way, little fires where they, were, where they were continuing to burn down the garbage. And just on the other side of that pile of garbage was a creek. Not one of them pretty creeks like we have here in Colorado. It was brown. I can't even imagine what was in that creek. One of the things that took me off guard was I saw children playing they were on top of those piles of garbage, playing, kicking soccer balls. They were in that creek, in that water, splashing each other, just as if you were at a backyard barbecue in good old U.S. of A. And do you know what was funny? I thought for the very first thing that I thought about was, this is a perfect illustration of James. Verse 2, chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my friends, even in the midst of trials. Here I had children, watching children, experiencing joy, experiencing life, understanding what that was, playing, doing their thing. But you know what? They were doing it in crappy circumstances. They were doing it on mounds of garbage. They were playing in rivers of filth. But I saw joy. I saw children. Can I ask that about us? Sometimes our life is garbage. <laughs> sometimes life is good, but sometimes life is bad. Sometimes we have those circumstances. But if we, as Christians, as Christ followers, as blood-bought Saints of God, redeemed by Christ, heaven-bound. If we can't experience joy in the journey, 
if we can't even experience and dance on those times and those moments and kick a ball around and play on those times where it's just complete junk, then what are we doing here? What separates us, dear Christian? What separates us from the world that's just as messed up, just as junk-filled out there? We have a root system. We have a depth. We have a faith that nothing can shake. And when we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, we understand that we are heirs to the kingdom. Then we say, bring it on. Then we say, bring it on. And even in those circumstances, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you find yourself in life. Maybe it's good days. Maybe it's not so good days. All this to simply say one message to leave this morning. You need to know that God loves you. He loves you right where you are. No need to clean up. That's what his Holy Spirit is for. Jesus redeems. The Spirit sanctifies. God loves you. He desires an abiding relationship. He can take that garbage and turn it into beautiful things. He can take those broken things and make awesome things out of it. And when we are broken, and when we are humble, and we allow God to change and move, then we begin to see some awesome things happening in our life individually, but guess what? We begin to see awesome things happening in our church and in our churches around our nation and around our world. May we continue as family of Christ to move forward, to be confident in who we are and whose we are. And may we ultimately find joy in our journey. Amen. Will you all stand with me this morning as we confess and we profess a faith that has lived with us for centuries and we join with people who are behind, who have gone before us to profess a faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.